The scripture reading this morning for the sermon is Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 on page 810 in the Bibles in front of you in the pews. Matthew chapter 5 beginning in verse 14. And while you're turning there, let me just say I'm so glad to be with you. I'm glad to see so many of you I've seen before. Uh, some of you are good friends from many years ago. Some of you new faces. That's a good thing. Good thing to have new people here too. So I appreciate the opportunity to be with you and we'll ask for God's blessing on our time together. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 14. Hear now the word of our God. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. May God add his rich blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray together. Our Lord Jesus, we have just heard words that you spoke thousands of years ago. We turn to you today because we call you our teacher. We long to see no one like we long to see you. We love no one like we love you. We trust no one like we trust you. We ask you now to send Holy Spirit to us that he may fill every heart in this room, that our eyes may be open to see you, to hear you speak, that our hearts may be softened, that we may love you and serve you more faithfully because of this, your word. Grant this, Lord, and we pledge to you the praise and the honor for it all. Amen. In modern life, it's hard to get away from light. Have you noticed that? I mean, unless you're someone who goes out hunting and unless you're out in the wilderness a lot, mountain climbing or whatever you may do, it's hard to find a place where there is no light. Even if you're outside, usually there are stars in the sky, the moon's shining to some extent, and so it's, it's difficult in modern life even to conceive of deep darkness surrounding you. Now, I come from Orlando, Florida, and occasionally, like last year, we have hurricanes in Orlando, Florida. It's not bad, it's okay. But one of the things that most people don't realize about hurricanes is this. When your electricity goes off, there is no light. The clouds are blocking the stars. The clouds are blocking the moon. And it is as dark as you can possibly imagine. So the first night of this last hurricane event, my wife woke up in the middle of the night, got out of bed, started to walk across the room in the darkness and knocked over a lamp and it shattered all over the room and that woke me up. And I said, are you okay? Are you okay? And she said, yeah, I'm okay. I just need a little light. So I grabbed my cell phone, turned on the light, of course. But when you are in that kind of darkness, you begin to realize, hey, I need a little bit of light, please. And that's what Jesus was talking about in his day. 
This passage is a part of a famous sermon that Jesus gave called the Sermon on the Mount. And it was a time when he had gathered followers of his around him and he was preaching to them. And this is part of what he said to them. He said, you are the light of the world. Now, just a month ago, I came back from the spot where Jesus gave this sermon. And a number of you have probably been to the Holy Land, and you've probably been to the Mount of the Beatitudes where Jesus delivered this sermon. And it's a very picturesque place. It's magnificent. Google it. Take a look. You'll be amazed. Off in the distance are the Golan Heights, and then there's the Sea of Galilee, and then there's a hill on the other side, on the eastern side of the sea. And it is an absolutely gorgeous place to be. It's so gorgeous that in Jesus' day, this is where all the Gentiles like to live. They didn't want to live down in Jerusalem. That was terrible, dusty, yucky, hot. This is cool. It's nice. It's green. The sun shines. Everybody's happy. It was like Florida in Israel, the sunshine state. And so you might wonder if Jesus is in this kind of setting, why in the world does he bring up the issue of light? There was plenty of natural light around them. They were not in a dark, dreary place. They were not in some deep hole. They were not in the middle of a hurricane. But Jesus is talking about light because he knew something about the condition of life for these people in that day. And it was this. It was a condition of utter darkness. For more than 500 years, the people of Israel had been tyrannized by foreign forces who had oppressed them in every way you can possibly imagine. Harming them physically, harming them emotionally, harming them spiritually, harming them economically, taking their children from them, enslaving them for 500 years. And the people gathered around Jesus were among the poorest of those who had been victimized like no others had been victimized. And he looks at them and he talks about light. It's no wonder because Jesus knew the Bible and the Bible prophets talked about this time, this 500 years plus when the Gentiles would tyrannize God's people as a time of terrible, terrible darkness. And in that kind of condition, a condition where, like my wife that night, they could not deny that it was dark, people were looking for light. People wanted light. Not in a physical sense, but they wanted light of hope. Light of dreams again, light of goodness again in their lives because it had been taken away from them and their ancestors before them for so very long. They could not deny the darkness. They could no longer deny the need for some light. Doesn't that sound familiar to you? in the world in which we live today? Darkness comes into people's lives in all kinds of ways. I think you know it, certainly on a personal level, that you have problems in your life, and 
the problems can loom so large that you feel as if there's this cloud of darkness around you. Maybe it's a health problem that you have personally or a serious health problem that your children have or your spouse has or a dear friend has, your parents. And you feel like it's intractable. It cannot be dealt with. It cannot be handled. And I'm in such gloom, such darkness in my personal life that I just need a little bit of light. A lot of us in this room today are dealing with darkness in our relationships with other people. Maybe you're stuck in that marriage that you just feel like I'm locked in a closet, locked in a cage, deep in some dungeon, and I just can't see any goodness in this at all. And you need a little bit of light. Some of us are so oppressed at this point by psychological and emotional needs. And you know, you know, if you are one of them, what that's like. And even if you're around such people, you know, they feel as if they're chained up in a very dark and gloomy world, as if there's absolutely no way they can walk across the room without harming themselves because the lamps of their lives are shattered, and they cry out, I need some light. And if those personal and family matters that darken your life are not enough for you, isn't it true that every day now, when you turn on the news or read a newspaper, can you not see that the darkness is so thick and so widespread that you can hardly see your way to anything that is good? We live in a world that's on the verge of war every day. We live in a country that's on the verge of its own warfare within itself every single day. We live in a world today where you and I, as followers of Jesus, actually are amazed at how far our own country here today has drifted from things that we all thought were obviously true. So that now we live in a world where people are calling evil good and good evil of the most common sorts, of the most obvious to you and me sorts. And they say, you are the evil one. You're the one in darkness because of the things you believe. And we say, how can you possibly believe that? So at every turn, whether in our personal lives, our social lives, in our own country, our culture, the world around us, darkness is everywhere, much like it was in the day of Jesus when he said these words to his followers. When he spoke to them about light. And what did Jesus say about light? He said, you are the light of the world. We have to clarify something here and make it as plain as we possibly can because this is not the only time that the Bible uses the expression light of the world. 
Because people today have a misconception sometimes when they hear these words and they think that what Jesus is saying is, is that there's something good inside of you. There's something good inside of me that every single one of us has a little spark of God in us. And so all of us are like little lights of God running around in the world. But that's not true at all. Jesus was actually addressing people who were following him. And he was saying to them, you, my followers, you are the light of the world. You're like a city set on a hill. You're like a lamp that's to be put up on a lampstand. You, my followers. And the reason for this is because in the Bible, we're told that yes, people can be the light of the world if they follow Jesus, but there's an even greater light than those who follow him. And who is that light of the world? It is Jesus himself. We just came off of celebrating the birth of Jesus, didn't we? There they are. Remember the candles? Advent. And of course, you know the Christmas story. You know how it talks a lot about darkness and light. Light of angels for the shepherds. Darkness all around and suddenly there's light that breaks into the world. The reason that the New Testament describes the Christmas time like that is because Jesus himself was the light of the world. In fact, because the people of God had suffered for so long, the Gospel of John begins by saying that the world had, as it were, drifted back into the darkness that once covered the earth before God first said, let there be light. That there was that kind of darkness prevailing over the world into which Jesus was born. So that the God who said in the beginning, let there be light, has now said, let there be light again in the face of Jesus, in Jesus himself, the light of the world. So if you're here today and you are not a follower of Jesus, hear this good news. There is light for you, for those you love, and for the whole world. And that light is Jesus himself. You see, the goodness and the light that you and I can bring as individuals, even as a whole church, as large numbers of those that follow Jesus, we're but flashlights compared to the sun that's shining and blinded you this morning. On the way here this morning, we came from Lookout Mountain down this way, and it was just at sunrise when we woke up and got on the road, and it was absolutely magnificent because the sun was coming up, up over the horizon, and it was lighting up the entire world, blindingly so. That is the light of Jesus. Jesus himself came into this world, lived a life of suffering, and service to God. He died on a cross to pay for the sins of those who believe in him, and he resurrected on the third day in glorious light to show that he is the light of the world. And now he reigns in heaven with his Holy Father, lighting up the world, Jesus, the light of the world. If you are not a follower of Jesus, come to him, because you need that light in your life. 
He's your only hope and the only hope for your family and the only hope for the world is not you and me. It's about Jesus, the light of the world. Even those of you who have been following Christ for years and years, isn't it very easy to forget just how brilliant the light of Jesus is? That when Jesus came into this world, he literally changed the world, set it on a path, on a course that will invariably come about. And that is the transformation of this entire creation into the glorious kingdom of God that will be lit up with the glory of God himself. That is what we mean when we say Jesus is the light of the world. He is not only simply the hope of those who do not know him, he is your hope every moment of every day. When the darkness starts crowding in on you, and you cannot help but admit to yourself that the gloom is almost unbearable, there is hope, there is life, there is light, and his name is Jesus. But in this place, in this passage, in the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus stood there and talked to his followers, he didn't say, I am the light of the world. Did you notice that? That's what I wish he had said, because that I can understand, that I can buy into. Because I have seen the darkness in my own life, and I've seen it around me, I've seen it in our world, and my only hope is that Jesus, the light of the world, will drive that darkness away one day. But it's not what he said. He spoke about them. And he said, you are the light of the world. Me? You? We are the light of the world? Here's the wonder of it all. The wonder of it all is this, that when people come to Jesus, when his light shines on them, it transforms them. It gives them light and life as well. And that Jesus has, in his wisdom, chosen to call those who follow him to reflect his own light in the world. And so he can say to them, not simply, you're the light of your own life. You're the light of your family. You're the light of your neighbor. No, you are the light of what? The world. You and me, as frail and as weak as we are. Now that challenges me because frankly, what I want to do is just live my own personal private life. Don't you? You know, I hate to get my hair cut. I just hate to get my hair cut. Because there is not in my part of Orlando, Florida, a manly barber shop to go to. <laughs> now, ladies, let me just tell you, a manly barber shop is a great place to be if you're a man. 
because you get to do manly things. And that means, basically, you just get to do what you want to do. Nobody bothers you, and nobody talks to you. If you don't want to talk to anybody, they won't talk to you. And you can just go in and say, give me the regular. You sit down, and you'll say a word the whole time, just like he is in front of the TV with you. He wants to be left alone. You know how he keeps turning that volume up as you keep talking? The other night, I hit the pause button. I said, okay, go ahead. Finally, my wife said, you can turn it back on now. So I hit it again. I was happy. You know, men just tend not to want to talk very much. They're not very communicative, and that's the way it is in a manly barbershop. But you go to these unisex places where they cut your hair, and they train the people there to talk to the customers. And I hate it. Well, Richard, they're looking at the little tag with my name on it. Well, Richard, how are you today? I'm fine. You know what's coming next. I know what's coming next. They know what's coming next. Well, Richard, click, click, click. Uh, what do you do? I'm a teacher. You're what? I'm a teacher. <laughs> well, where do you teach? In a seminary. And a, a what? In a seminary. You know what that is? Oh, yeah, I know what a seminary is. Are you a rabbi? No, I think the beard makes them think rabbi. Well, you must be a priest then. I said, well, sort of. They don't know what a pastor and evangelical is, you know, so it's sort of a strange world I live in. But what I hate about it most is that before my hair cuts over, I'm having to talk about the things I believe. I mean, I'm having to tell them weird things in their view, things like I believe in the Bible. Uh, things like, I believe Jesus is the only way of salvation. That Jesus is the light of the world. I remember one time, the whole store stopped to hear this maniac, this old man maniac, talk about the things he believed. And it was really bad because one of the young women, the one that sweeps up the hair off the floor, she was walking behind me and she stood there like this and this is what she did. She said, I wanted so much to say to her, I can see you in the mirror. <laughs> but I didn't. Don't you feel that way sometimes? That you just wish you get to live your life at the office. You could just live a private life in your neighborhood, at the store just sort of be like everybody else, anonymous, don't you wish you could be? But Jesus says, you are the light of the world. If you are a follower of Jesus, your life is not your own. You gave it to him. And this means that wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever you say, you are to be the light of the world in a world full of darkness. And yes, that means being different when you go to the store and being different when you're in the office, being different when you're in your neighborhood. Because light in darkness stands out. And so must we. Now, in a world that's full of the kind of darkness that Jesus was addressing in his day, this oppressive, life-encompassing darkness, 
a world that is increasingly becoming the kind of world you and I are going to be living in and our children will live in and our grandchildren will live in. Not a world where it's popular to be a Christian, not a world where it's okay and sophisticated and respectable to be a follower of Jesus, but rather a light, a world that's so full of darkness that they despise us and they hate us. And there seems to be loss at every side for those that follow Jesus. That's the kind of world that Jesus spoke these words into. And it's the kind of world he's speaking into today, right now, in this place. And in that kind of world, the question is, how can a follower of Jesus be the light of the world? Listen to the practical instruction Jesus gave in the last verse of our passage, verse 16. But in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, let me tell you how Jesus was the light of the world in his day. Jesus went around talking to people and talking about God, and talking about sin, talking about the need for faith in him, talking about the need to follow him, he was very explicit, very open about it in many, many different situations. He had a, a forebearer. His name was John the Baptist, and John the Baptist was out there screaming his head off about the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. He was out there calling people in their faces, repent. He was like the one that you see occasionally, even in Chattanooga, who has a sign at the corner with a big old sign that says, repent, repent. And yes, God calls people to do that kind of aggressive verbal assault on the dark world around us to be people who proclaim with their mouths and proclaim without any fear, with boldness in every situation they are, that there is light and that his name is Jesus. That is something to which God calls many people, but not everyone. Not even every one of his followers. You see, we all know what happened to John the Baptist. He was arrested and executed. We all know what happened any time the Romans heard anyone wandering the streets of Israel in Jesus' day talking about a kingdom that was not the kingdom of Caesar. We all know what happened to those that led rebellions in Jesus' day. They were arrested and executed. Happens a lot. Happens to our brothers and sisters in other countries even today. And it will happen here, short of a miracle. But in that kind of world where it becomes increasingly difficult for you to find some way to say something at work, at the store, without causing a riot, how can you be the light of the world? Listen to what Jesus did not say in verse 16. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill, so start shouting. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill, so get in their face. 
You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill. So stand on the street corner, every one of you, and start preaching your heart out. That's not what he said, is it? What did he say? You are the light of the world, addressing this crowd of disenfranchised, poor, weak, powerless people. He said, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill. So let your good works so shine before men that they will glorify your Father in heaven. How were they to be the light of the world? By their good deeds. We have a saying, don't we? Talk is cheap. You heard that saying before? A lot of you wives in here have said that to your husbands. Every time he's promised to do something and he failed to do it, and he came back, he said, oh, I'll, I promise I'll never do it again. You'll say, talk is cheap. I'll believe it when I see it. A lot of parents say that to their children too, don't they? Talk is cheap. I'll believe it when I see it. There's a reason for that saying. It's because in many situations, talk is cheap. And you shouldn't believe it until you see it. Welcome to the world of Jesus and the world of his followers. For many of us, it's easy. It's easy to talk about what's wrong in the world today and what the right thing to do is, who you should vote for, what policies you should endorse, what kind of moral stance you should have in this situation and that situation. Oh, it's so easy to do it. But you know, the truth of the matter is, most of those out there in the world who are not followers of Christ hear you talk and they think to themselves, talk is cheap I'll believe it when I see it and what must they see your good deeds you want to stand out like the light of the world you want to be someone who's like Jesus to the world around you you know what they need to see with their eyes your good deeds. So ask yourself this question. When people think of you in your neighborhood, are you like everybody else in the neighborhood? In my neighborhood, you can only tell Christians from non-Christians because Christians smile and wave while they're hitting the garage door button trying to get inside the cave and never talk to anybody. But a Christian in his or her neighborhood is the person that is kind, the person who's attentive, the person who notices when somebody's in the hospital, notices when there's trouble, notices the older couple that's beginning to have physical problems, and their good deeds shine in their neighborhood. 
at your business. There's plenty of talk going on, isn't there? All the time there's talk going on. But when people look at you in your business, whether you're an owner or you're an employee, what do they see with their eyes when they see you? Is it someone who talks a lot about what's right and what's wrong? Or is it someone who demonstrates that they know what's right and wrong because they do deeds of kindness and mercy and self-denial for the sake of others? When you're in school, and school is the place where people have all kinds of opinions and they're the answers to every question, don't they? What do they see in you? Are they attracted to what you say? Will they give you a hearing because they know that person is very strange? That person acts like nobody else acts because their hearts are full of goodness and they show it every day. Let your good works so shine before men. But is it just so that you can appear to be good? No. It's so that by your good works, coupled with your testimony in words, will turn them toward the Father. And they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. Increasingly, as it becomes inappropriate according to the rules of the office, according to the rules of the school, according to the unspoken rules of your neighborhood to talk about religion. The natural tendency for us is going to be say, well, it's against the rules, I can't do it. But Jesus gives you the way. You talk with your actions. And your actions turn the hearts of people toward your Father in heaven. You know, we don't get away from the light very often, the physical light, but like my wife that night, when the darkness really comes on you, you can make a mess of things. And she was standing there in the middle of the floor with all this shattered glass all around her, afraid to move, and afraid that I would jump out of the bed and move too. And so she shouted at me, well, I'm, yeah, I'm okay, but what I need is some light. This world in which we live is shattered. And the dangers for you and those around you are everywhere. And what does the world today need? The world needs light. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does one light a lamp except to set it on a lampstand, not to hide it under a basket. So let your light so shine before others. Let your good deeds so shine before others that they will glorify your Father 
who is in heaven. Let's pray together. Our Lord Jesus, we bless you as the light of the world. As the sun rises and sheds its light everywhere, you have risen from the dead and your light shines. But Lord Jesus, we have heard you say that we are the light of the world too. May your Holy Spirit write these words in our hearts and may he empower us to live them so that those around us will glorify the Father in heaven. Amen.